That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. Welcome to BX, Beyond Stereotypes, a podcast about lawyers using their authentic voices to change the world. One thing my dad always said uh, throughout his whole life was that we get to where we are by standing on the shoulders of those who come before us. And so I think that for me, like being able to, you know, kind of embrace my Native American heritage and to help share it and to not feel like a, a loner or an outsider, I, I needed the, the, you know, the, the groups of the Indian community that I had growing up. Beyond Stereotypes. I'm your host, Merle Vaughn. Here to BS with me today is John Haney, whose story I find fascinating and who will no doubt inspire all of you to embrace your authenticity. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing well, Merle. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of times I interview people on this podcast and I actually know them. Um uh, uh, somehow they're either friends or I've met them somewhere. I don't know you. I um, found you on the internet and thought, you know, that that uh, your story was interesting. I actually found uh, uh, something on the internet where you make um, Native American historical, well, historically Native American flutes. And and then I started kind of going down a rabbit hole about you and saw that we're both from Oklahoma. And I thought, he's my homeboy. I've got to get him on the podcast. <laughs> so um, let me tell the folks a little, what, a little bit about you. Um, you're from, I believe, uh, uh, Oklahoma City. You can, you can correct that if I'm wrong. I'm from, uh, so I grew up in a bunch of towns in Oklahoma growing up, but um, my family is all, uh, they all live in Norman, Oklahoma. Norman. Okay. I have, I have people in Norman as well. Jeez, we might be related. Um, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Um, and so you attended Columbia University undergrad. You came out here to California to attend UCLA, UCLA Law School. Um, and you've basically practiced for uh, about eight years um, solely with uh, Holland and Knight, uh, your labor and employment um, lawyer, uh, and you are a member of the Native American um, pra uh, uh, practice. So what did I miss? What did I get wrong? No, that was that was that was great. That was all accurate. Okay, very good. So why don't you start by telling us, you know, about your background and um, your family and, and, and how you grew up? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I was born in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Um, I moved around a lot when I was younger because my mother was um, and is a uh, attorney, an attorney who practices uh, federal Indian law and tribal law. And so she uh, worked for uh, various tribes um, uh, when I was a kid. So I uh, 
when I was really little, I lived in Seminole, which is right next door to Wewoka. Wewoka is the capital town of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. And that's the tribe in which I'm enrolled uh, member. Uh, I then moved to Tahlequah um, where when my mom uh, got a job at the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. Um, I feel like everyone knows, you know, who the Cherokee, the Cherokee Nation is, um, really huge tribe. Um, and so I lived in Tahlequah for uh, many years, uh, then moved on to Okmulgee, Oklahoma. Oh my uh, God. That's where my, <laughs> you know? that's where my, well, okay, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. We're no, related, no, I, John. We're related. <laughs> we're finding this out right yeah. now. It's great. Um, yeah. So Okmulgee is the, um, as you may know, is the uh, capital of the Creek Nation of Oklahoma. So my mom also worked as an attorney for the Creek Nation of Oklahoma. And then finally, I ended up in Norman, Oklahoma, where I um, you know, went to high school. Um, and uh, so that was kind of, you know, my, you know, that, that's where I grew up. Those are the places I grew up in Oklahoma. And, um, you know, I, I really, really value um, that experience looking back on it. You know, I'm, I, I now live in Los Angeles, California. Um, and, you know, I think that um, it's easy to take for granted when you're, you know, in Oklahoma because there's so many Indians around mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there's so many people that look like you and have, you know, similar values. Um, and that's something that I, you know, I do miss from time to time, but it was, it was a really great experience growing up in those tribal capitals. Um, I kind of grew up around this atmosphere of of uh, you know tribal law and politics, my 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 late father uh, was um, the principal chief of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. Wow. I have other um, uh, members of my family um, that were chiefs before him, um, and so I kind of come from a line of, of, of tribal politicians, and um, so that's kind of the you know the atmosphere I grew up in, and. Uh, you know, probably one of the reasons I decided to become a lawyer, but, you know, we can, we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I made my way to uh, New York City uh, for, for college at Columbia. Um, you know, when I was <laughs> in high school, going to Ivy League school is not like something that was like on my ultimate wish list or anything. It well, kind of just. And I was going to say, a, you were probably one of the few, right, who went to an Ivy League school. Yeah, I was. I mean, I think that at that time, you know, the the, the number of Native Americans at um, at Columbia was was a very small percentage. It's since really increased in numbers, which I love. Um, but you know, that 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 was an opportunity um, that presented itself to me, um, and I, you know, decided to try something different, try something new, and. Uh, you know, it, it was a really, uh, really wonderful experience, though, living in, in New York City. I mean, there was, you know, uh, pros and cons, you know, coming from Oklahoma to moving to New York City, just, you know, walking into the sea of humanity and <laughs> people of all different kinds and walks of life. And you learn a lot from people, I think, you know, in general through life. And it, it was really nice to, to meet people from all, from all over the world and at the same time, I think there's that uh, exclusion that can be inherent sometimes living in, in New York City. Um, but where I often found solace for myself was the Native American student community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, uh, been kind of a theme um, throughout my life is 
the importance of having a Native American community wherever I go. So um, let, me, let me ask you this. Did you, when you were growing up in Oklahoma and you were, um, your father was a chief and, and your mom was doing the work with the different tribes, did you live on, uh, you know, on the on reservations? Did you live outside? Did you go to school on reservations? How did that work? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I did grow up on, um, you know, in, in, in reservation land in Indian country uh, in Oklahoma, and I went to uh, the public schools there um, in, in, in each of those towns that I mentioned earlier. Um, and, you know, I think as an example, like in Tahlequah, um, when you, you know, drive up to the school and you drive around the, the neighborhood, you know, the street signs are written in the Cherokee language, mm. you know, so you're kind of in that you know, just kind of in a, just in a different world a little bit. And there's so a lot of Indians, there's a lot of community events, um, you know, uh, gatherings uh, for singing and dancing, um, you know, what we call stomp dances, or some people refer to, to, refer to as powwows. Um, and so, you know, I got to experience um, a lot of that growing up. And I found that, um, you know, it, it's something that, that I, I missed, I think, when I first got to New York City. And um, so, you know, I, um, when I got to New York City, finding that student group was, was the thing that really helped push me through. Um, and that started in high school. I, I think when I track my entire career now, um, being an eighth year uh, associate at Holland and Knight, throughout, I've always had this sort of anchor of uh, Native American community. And so in high school, it was called the Native American Club. In, in college, it was called Native American Council. I was very involved with that, um, you know, putting on events for Heritage Month, um, you know, helping set up the first annual uh, powwow at Columbia, which is now uh, over its 10th annual powwow. In um, law school, is the Native American Law Students Association, um, where we do similar things. And, and uh, you know, through, through those, those, those uh, student groups, a big part of that is uh, recruitment. So helping the admissions identify, you know, uh, ap native applicants to uh, join Columbia, to join UCLA Law School, and so I think that's that's something else I've really um, been passionate about is is helping others who are interested in, you know, taking those um, taking those journeys. Uh, just trying to offer a helping hand when I can. And so um, how do how do you how do you or how did you how do you, how do you deal with people who um, believe that there are stereotypes associated with Native Americans? Um, uh, and and have or have you found that? And how have you been able to get beyond that? Yeah, no. Um, uh, so I think that oftentimes when I when I meet people, whether that's in New York City or Los Angeles you know, many, in many instances, it's the first time someone's ever speaking to a Native American, or, you know, they may know a few people from, from life, but this is the first time actually speaking to Native American because our population is so small, it's just a few percent in the U.S. And so, um, you know, you hear sort of the stock stereotypes out there about, you know, um, you know, some falsities like, uh, you know, in, Indians don't pay taxes and, and uh, you know, that we, you know, all, all live in teepees or we all have, you know, war songs or, right. or, or others or whatnot. 
but you know the, the truth of that is that you know the, we have over 570 tribes in the United States and so each of those tribes have you know different ways of doing things you know and, and they they have the inherent sovereignty to to determine you know what their way of life is um, how they govern themselves uh, there's different languages, um, different practices, ceremonies. There are certainly things that do bind us together, certain um, types of beliefs, generally speaking. Um, you know, I think you'll find that a lot of, um, uh, you know, m- many, many Indians, you know, may refer to God as creator. Mm-hmm. That's that's one thing that, that you do see some, you know, uh, a lot of kind of, you know, across different tribes, not every tribe, you know, I can't speak for every tribe. I can speak for, for myself, but that is something that, that I've, you know, experienced is that we have the creator who gave us the earth, um, and gifted it to us and gifted us our lives. Um, and, you know, another, another sort of, you know, fairly common, um, shared, um, concept is, you know, the importance of facing East and Mm. facing East, um, you know, at, at the sunrise, that's where, uh, ceremonies typically you face East when you pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, one really cool example of that is the, uh, the 21 foot sculpture on top of the Oklahoma state Capitol. Dome. Yeah. I wanted and, to talk about that. Tell us about your, uh, familial, uh, connection to that. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. My 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 late father Enoch Kelly Haney um, created that that statue, and it's called the Guardian. And uh, you can Google it, and you'll it'll come right up. It's a it's a uh, sculpture, twenty one foot sculpture of an Indian who is uh, holding a shield and a staff. And um, the Indian, the interpretation that my dad chose to, you know. Um, to, to go to go with is that this this Native American embodies all thirty nine tribes of the state of Oklahoma, and that this um, guardian is watching over the people of the state of Oklahoma and is also protecting the those inside of the capital who are, um, you know, are tasked with protecting you know Oklahomans and and, and tribal um, members and, and Native American tribes, and so you know guess what direction the the guardian faces which is east okay um, and, and you so know that's that, that's interesting because there are other religions where they it, it uh you face east as well i know that i've practiced buddhism uh for uh several years and and when you're chanting and you have a uh, gohansen you you have you face face east to do that as well yeah, that's, that's, that's very cool. And, and it's very, you know, I, that's one of those things that I, I see when, you know, I, in, in my experience meeting tribal members from different parts of the country is that there, again, there's like some of these shared values that bind us, even though we have, you know, different, you know, histories with the federal government treaty histories, uh, dif- you know, different um, progressions in terms of how we govern ourselves, th- things like that. Um, you know, um, I think another, um, you know, there's a story that my, my dad, uh, used to tell about when he met with the, the Hopi, uh, people mm-hmm. and, uh, which is in a different state. And, uh, he was just there visiting for a short time and, um, you know, in Seminole, um, 
with the Seminole Nation, we have a, a clan system. So, um, you know, certain people have certain clans that they they represent. So when they pass on, when you see that that um, that animal or whatever it may be, that's 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 your relative. So my grandpa is a bird clan, and so um, whenever I see a bird, I say, "Oh, there's grandpa." <laughs> Um, and uh, and that's what my siblings all say that you know that, that's just kind of our way of life and <laughs> I remember my my uh, grandma um, Hattie when when uh, you know a long long time ago she stormed in the house and she was really upset and uh, this is after my grandpa had passed and she's my dad's like what, mom what's what's going on he's like your your daddy he you know he crapped on the car. <laughs> 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 she was really upset about it. Um, what was so, so? What was your father's story? He used to tell. Yeah, so um, you know, my dad was with the Hopis, and he just asked. He's like, you know, are are any one of you a bird clan? And uh, someone piped him and said, Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, or, or you know, I'm actually a parrot. And so my dad said, Oh, you're my daddy. And then someone else said, I'm Coyote Clan. And my dad said, Oh, you're my great grandfather. And, you know, within 15 minutes, he had like a family. Oh, wow. Um, and they were able to, you know, to share that, you know, that time together and really bond, you know, over being Indian. And so, um, you know, we're different, but we're not, you know, at the and, same time. And you know what? That's why I do this podcast, because I want people to be exposed to people who are different and, and get you know, an understanding of, you know, how, how different, you know, people can be different, but in, in the end, we're all, you know, uniquely the same, if that makes any sense. And I, I think that you are, very, you're very fortunate to have that history and, un, and know, you know, who your people are and where they come from. I mean, I was telling you when we spoke before that, I, you know, kind of inadvertently threw somebody on Facebook, um, found for me my grandfather um on the Dawes roll and I had no idea I mean I knew that my grandfather um was Indian but I didn't know you know anything about him because I did you know I I was a baby when he died Mm -hmm. Uh, and this person actually sent me through messenger on Facebook like you know a, a, a picture of my grandfather and his siblings and mother and father um, from uh, uh, from the, the Dawes role and that he was born in 1900 and all this, but that is all I know. Um, and so I- Well, that's, that's amazing though. I, I think um, for those who don't know what the Dawes roles are, um, you know, that these roles were established by the, the United States government as a way of kind of documenting um, people who would, you know, be, you know, have membership of, um, of, of, of certain tribes in, in Oklahoma. This was in the late, you know, 1800s, early 1900s that these roles were created. And so, the, you know, the, the, the roles, um, although they kind of have, they can have, they have sort of a controversial history and, and sort of context, but um, ultimately they are important, you know, critical documents really for, you know, um, for you know, understanding lineage and and where where you come from, and you know um, that that list is you know um, often referred to as sort of the one of the 
you know, um, you know, one of the authoritative, you know, lists of, of people on, uh, you know, that, that are, that belong to the tribe, that have membership of the tribe. Is, is the list perfect? No, it's not, but it's, it still does, is, is an important document. It's really cool that you were able to, to kind of uncover that and kind of learn about yourself. And how old were you when you found that out? Uh, uh, if this was, when was this? This was in 2013 um, that I found that out. So I was very, very grown, <laughs> very old, <laughs> already a lawyer, already, you know, I, and I have cousins in Indian country um, uh, and, you know, in Anadarko and, and mm-hmm. Watanga, but just, just don't know that much. Now, now that side of the family does know, and I do have a co- uh, a family who are on the Apache, you know, that who know they're Apache and they're, they, they um, are part of, you know, they're actually part of the tribe. But I, I, as far as my, my uh, uh, lineage is concerned, I know, I know very little. I would, I would love to know. Um, But so, so let's talk about what's going on today. Um, uh, I know that Deb, you know, Holland uh, is, the currently the interior secretary, she's the first Native American to serve as, you know, as, as a cabinet secretary, which is uh, pretty incredible um, for that position that it, you know, just now, I, I don't know about you, but every time I say somebody's a black first, it just, I just shake my head. It's like, how many, how, how long is that going to go on? It's even, <laughs> it's even more pathetic for Native Americans. How did you feel when that happened? If you know, if you if it resonated with you, and and what does it mean now? Yeah, you know, um, it it it's it it means it means a lot, and um, you know, just for some context, I think when I was a kid, um, you know, when. You know, when in some of the schools that I went to, um, you know, there were there were Oklahoma State Public Schools, and so the books that we got were, um, you know, approved uh, and kind of facilitated through the, the capital at the time, Oklahoma, and the the information in those in in those books, um, you know, I think were very could be very suspect, you know, in terms of. I, I specifically recall reading something in a textbook when I was a kid that, you know, um, when the pilgrims reached um, the continental United States, the, you know, Native Americans graci- graciously shared their land and, and taught the pilgrims how to <laughs> cultivate land. And, you know, I'm just a kid and I'm just, I'm being taught this, you know, and, um, you know, so I think there's just this kind of revisionist history sometimes that we have to confront and that I, I certainly did when I was little. And when you look at the history of, you know, federal Indian policy and the way that um, Native Americans were forced to assimilate into American culture, um, and specifically you look at the Bureau of Indian Affairs and Secretary of Interior, um, the very, very long line of non-Indigenous, um, you know, leaders, um, you know, the Bureau of Indian Affairs is an agency within the Department of Interior uh, the Bureau of, of Indian Affairs was, you know, was formed in the 1800s and it was kind of designed to, you know, facilitate communications between the United States and tribes and, and uh, negotiate treaties. But 
you know, for a long time, part of it was implementing federal Indian you know, policy as, as it relates to assimilation um, to in Oklahoma, specifically breaking up sort of communally owned tribal lands and al- giving allotments to individual Indians. Um, and, um, you know, boarding school policy, you know, forcing right. uh, Indian parents to send their ch- children to boarding schools, which, which really, she's dealing uh, with now, right? She's she's really uh, uh, going after or, or making clear that that assimilation and taking kids from their families and, and, and mistreating them actually happened. Absolutely. And, you know, looking at all of this, this history, you know, and like the, you know, the, in, in the, I think it was the 1970s is when there was um, the assistant secretary of, of the interior position was created. And, um, you know, there have been, you know, I think most or all have been indigenous in that role, the assistant secretary position mm. that okay. assisted the BIA. Um, but, you know, Deb Holland's the first, you know, cabinet, you know, cabinet secretary um, and, and heading the, the entire Department of Interior. That is huge to me because I think you have you just, you know, look at this history of federal Indian policy and all the destruction it's had on Native American culture, um, ec- economies, um, you know, family relationships, uh, knowledge of, you know, traditions and customs. Um, and now I feel like with Deb Holland, there's this opportunity for us to continue taking steps forward to kind of really inserting ourselves more and in, 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 you know, advocating for ourselves when it comes to, you know, Indian policy. And, you know, I think, again, that there have been uh, Indigenous leaders of the, you know, within the BIA for, for many years. And there, there's definitely been progress. And I think that um, Deb Holland is just another step forward there. And, you know, like you pointed out, she um, recently um, concluded a, an invest, uh, investigation into the you know, federal government's uh, Indian boarding school policy. Um, and they just found just, her, they had horrendous findings, um, you know, in, in finding burial sites with Indian children, all, you know, sprinkled all over, over 50. Um, there's, I believe, over 400 boarding schools that they, identified and um, the means by which Indian children were compelled to um, go to these schools, I think were also pretty horrific in terms of, uh, you know, I think there, you know, the report mentioned withholding of certain rations and other kinds of, um, you know, uh, sort of benefits if, if, you know, there wasn't, you know, education, certain education, you know, of Indian children. And I mean, so it's just it's like just, slavery, like ripping kids away from their parents, you know, during and, slavery. Yeah. And then they come back different, you know, like very, um, very predictably come back different, you know, cutting off the long hair, and, um, you know, losing the language or, you know, having English become their primary language. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm just really proud of it though. And I, I think that one of the, you know, the, one of the results of that report is that it's kind of bringing federal Indian policy front and center, you know, for us to, to see and see what we've, what, you know, the country has, has done, you know, and um, hopefully there's accountability for it, but hopefully it just helps to kind of reorient federal Indian policy going forward. And I think what you see now in, in uh, you know, Indian country is uh, revitalization of culture and of language and, you know, all, all around. 
um, especially with, you know, you know, the, you know, the prominence of Zoom and all that, you know, it's easy to, you know, join a Zoom class for your language. And I, right. I and, you know, there's, um, uh, there's, there's classes for my language, which is called Muscogee is the language uh, of the Seminole Nation. Um, and, you know, like, I, the, like the town Muscogee? Yeah, Muscogee. Because that, that's where my mother's from. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm kind of an Okie from Muskogee. <laughs> yeah, Muskogee Creek, and that yeah, and that language is you know it's it's shared between the the Seminole Nation and the Creek Nation, um, and uh, again, so there's just lots of you know rich histories with with different tribes, and so um, yeah, so I, I I'm just really proud of of of, of Deb Holland and and. Uh, you know, she, she also was one of the first, uh, you know, um, Native Americans in, in Congress and, and, and all that. And that helps kind of push things forward. You know, my, my dad was the first full-blood Native American um, in the Oklahoma legislature ever. Wow. And, so, and he was, uh, uh, he was really good at it. He was um, in the House of Representatives and uh, in the Senate for about 20 years. That's amazing. Um, I know. I know. You said that. Um, you told me that protecting tribal sovereignty is a twenty-four-seven job, and that's one of the reasons you wanted to go to Holland Night was because they have such a great uh, uh, practice uh, for Indian law. You know, talk talk to us about Holland and Night's practice, and and also about your your practice. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I went to UCLA Law School because UCLA has such a great Indian law program, and they have, um, you know, they have numerous Indian law courses. They have clinics where you can actually work for tribal court systems as like clerks and help the judge resolve cases, and and uh, also work with tribes in developing tribal code and all that. It was a no brainer. Plus, my brother got in at the same time, and he's eight years older than me. Uh -huh. um, he got into UCLA at the same time, so the, you know, the Haney brothers, you know, arrived. To, <laughs> and and you know, we still we live one block away now. <laughs> we kind of follow each other, um, but um, you know, I was really interested in um, in 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 helping tribal people and Indian tribes, however I could. Um, and so, you know, the the opportunity with home the night presented itself and i went through the interview process through oci and all that and um i you know started in um 2014 and i was assigned uh to the labor and employment group because that's that's what the needs were at the time which as you know big firms that, that right you par for the course is whatever the needs are that's sometimes where you go right um and so um, it was the buzz by accident. I, I had no labor and employment experience, no classes whatsoever. But, you know, I think um, one of the things that I get asked often um, or questions about from like law students is, you know, kind of the stress about, well, I really want to be an Indian lawyer and I want to work at an Indian law, uh, a boutique law firm. And, uh, you know, what if I miss the chance and I, I go down this other path? And I think, you know, my response is, is always that, you know, when, when you're thinking about Native American law, you're really talking about all, all types of law because, you know, the Native American tribe is a government. The government employs thousands and thousands and thousands of people all across the U.S. 
So they're employers, they need employment law advice, they're, um, you know, they, they need, you know, they, they construct buildings and projects, they need construction lawyers, they do deals, um, they need corporate lawyers, um, they, you know, litigate environmental um, cases, they need environmental lawyers, um, gaming, also huge, you know, lobbying the federal government. So really, you kind of name it, you know, intellectual property, that's also, um, you know, Native American cultural property, there's, there's a big intersection with IP law. Um, and so really, when you're talking about helping Native Americans, I think whatever, you know, kind of, you know, area of law you get into, you can always help tribes uh, later on when you develop as an attorney, because ultimately, you have to, you know, develop as an attorney first, like, I wouldn't have been much use to a tribe, you know, my first year to, to, you know, first few years, cause I was getting kicked around the courts and just like <laughs> up from down and all of that. But now I have a very, you know, defined skill set within advising, um, HR professionals, uh, defending litigation, um, developing policies, helping draft employment laws for, you know, and, and that's something that I can directly use to, to help tribes. And, and so, I, I'm, you know, I'm glad I didn't, and I think I did have that tendency to be like, well, I don't know if I'm going to do a labor and employment law, but it really worked out because I love labor employment. I love helping my tribal clients. And I think that, you know, for, for law students who want to get into Indian law, like a lot of what you learn, whatever you go into is transferable if you later want to you know, work at an Indian law firm or help tribal clients. So, so like in anything else, get the best, get the best training, the best legal training that you can, uh, be, uh, and then use that because it's always transferable if you, if you're good and have been trained well. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And that, you know, don't worry if you go into like a kind of random area of law that you didn't expect to be in because, you know, things are reversible. You can change things. You can switch things up. And um, so um, that that's, that is a question I get a lot just when I speak to, to law students. So I just thought it important to get that kind of perspective. Cool. So so I have a, a cultural or politically correct question for you. I, I actually um, say the word Indian and I say the word Indian and I noticed that you do too, because my cousins who are Indians, you say, you know, they call themselves Indians. And I actually was got, you know, in a, um, debate with, you know, a, a non diverse person, um, who was just offended that I would, that I would say Indian instead of Native American, um, and have you have you dealt with that? I mean, maybe maybe nobody would would dare <laughs> argue with you, but you know, I guess because I don't look it, you know, maybe somebody felt like they should argue with me. But I mean, what's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think um, that. For, for, you know, and I can only speak for myself, right? But I've never felt um, any issue with, with, you know, using the word Indian or, or being called Indian. But of course, context 
matters right. a lot. So right. it, you know, I think you can pretty clearly understand if someone's like referring to someone as a, oh, that Indian over there as in a derogatory way or something like that, or right. some kind of negative way. But like in general, just like referring to someone as, as Indian, um, I, I have not minded it. There may be other people who do, and you know, that's, that's, that's their, their, that's, that's their perspective, you know, and, and, you know, that's, you know, I think a lot of people, some people prefer Native American or indigenous. Um, and, and I, I've used all of those actually. Right. Um, You've used them all in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do. I do use them. Um, I, I do use them all. And, you know, at, at Holland and I, I head up the firm's, um, Native American affinity group, and it's not called the Indian affinity group. It's right. called the Native American affinity group. So, you know, it comes in different contexts and things like that. And I just kind of navigate that as, as I see fit. I think when I'm in Oklahoma, I think I'm going to say Indian a lot more. Yeah. Like if I'm, you know, uh, speaking at like a big conference or something, maybe I'll use Native American because maybe that's, you know, more of like a, what people, you know, you know, I think that they're, that, that that's a pretty, you know, they're comfortable. It's, it's comfortable. Yeah. It's comfortable, kind of widespread recognized term. And so, um, but the word itself, I, I'm, I, you know, I think you may get different answers from different people, but that's how I feel about it. Well, I think you're right. I think it has to do with context and I think it depends on who's saying it. Um, I think for me, it's just the idea that somebody would, would, try to explain to me or argue with me if it's okay for me to say it when I have a background that, you know, allows me, you know, to say it. So I, I you know, I think that that's the, the idea is for people to be um, flexible and be, be more understanding of the context and, and, and who somebody is as opposed and not always want to argue um about it um the the mm-hmm. other the other thing that you said a few times was powwow and it's it's interesting because i know that they're you know clearly there's to every year you know um there are powwows it's it's a thing it's something that um indians uh do and celebrate um and but there's there's there could be negative connotations with the use of the word powwow Absolutely. I agree with that completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if, uh, yeah. And I think like a lot of colleges, they you know, their event is called the powwow, like the UCLA powwow, the Columbia powwow, Stanford powwow. Um, and, but, you know, I think if it's taken lightly, if it's made into joke, like, you know, you see it and, and I've seen this in my life where like, if, if, if someone saw like two Indians, you know, somewhere in a room they're like oh look they're having a power like something like that yeah. is not right you know but i think um the, the you know i you know use the word power when i'm referring to like going to um you know uh, a place to celebrate you know and to just celebrate togetherness with other indian people and um eating eating uh, stuffing my face with uh, with fry bread and fry bread and yep <laughs> Um, and, you know, watching people dance and going to the artisans and all that. That's, that's, that's what I think of when I think powwow. Right. But what's not acceptable is to be in a meeting, for example, of, you know, people at, you know, around a conference table, you know, and 
you know, say, well, okay, well, let's, let's get back to that. Let's powwow about that later. You know, that, yeah, that's exactly. not acceptable. Exactly. And, and I have heard, um, just in life, you know, people will, will say, um, you know, like, oh, this person is, um, doing this, they've gone off the reservation. And yes. I think that's the kind of phrase that is offensive. You know, I think, you know, you know, of course, Redskin is another one that's, you know, been very much in the news, you know, for, right. for many years over the, the change of that name of the football team. Um, so there are, there are certainly some, I think, pretty, you know, there, there are some more broader lines than others when it comes to these things. Um, yeah, and it's not, you know, it, our, our history is so steeped in these things uh, and people who are offended by them have just started to get their voices, right? And so it's not that 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 you you expect people to to just know um, but what you'd like for them to do is be open-minded about how it makes people feel, understand what might be offensive and not argue about it if you, you know, try to let them know that it's offensive. Yeah, no, exact, exactly. So we're almost out of time. This has been, this has been great. I'm, you know, I, I think that I, I certainly have learned a lot. Um, and, and I'm sure that our audience um, will too, through this conversation. I just wanted to ask you, you know, you've, you've figured out a way to, to, uh, be your authentic self in 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 work and school and and your life. What words of encouragement or advice do you have for others, um, especially uh, young folks, um, about embracing their authentic self? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think part of embracing our ourselves also involves always leaning on the people around us, and I think that. One thing my dad always said uh, throughout his whole life was that we get to where we are by standing on the shoulders of those who come before us. And so I think that for me, like being able to, you know, kind of embrace my Native American heritage and to help share it and to not feel like a, a loner or an outsider, I, I needed the, the, you know, the, the groups of the Indian community that I had growing up. And so, and that kind of gets me to the very beginning of this podcast where that's been a theme, you know, the high school, uh, college, law school, now with the Native American Affinity Group, like helping other people and being of service to those, uh, you know, who are still working up, you know, to, to reach their, uh, whatever their goals are. Um, so, so for me, I think um, there's a lot of opportunities to express your kind of authentic self through that because you know, with the Native American Affinity Group, one of the things we do is to celebrate, you know, Native American Heritage Month every year. And so we have really awesome speakers every year that come and share. And about, that's in November, right? It's in November. Um, so, so for me, I think, you know, um, for, for younger people, I think, you know, at least for me, being, being you know, part of the Native American community at schools um, and just in the community in general, that is what really got me through law school and college and, and all of that. And that's one of the things that really I find rewarding and keeps me going uh, at Holland tonight as well, being able to, uh, you know, mentor other native law students, you know, uh, help out with the 
national moot court competition that they have, um, you know, talking on panels, things like that, just like talking to students and helping them. I think that, you know, th that's when I think, you know, opportunities to help share yourself with the world really kind of present themselves. And so um, that's what I always encourage is to try to really stay involved with your, you know, your, your, your group. All right. Well, we're at the end of our time. Thank you so much, John, for being here to BS with me today. Uh, I really, really have appreciated getting to know you better, learn more about you, and we really need to find out if we're related. I know. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out together. Well, thank you very much for, for inviting me. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely. And thanks to everyone for listening. And until the next episode, remember that everybody is different and different is good. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. We hope you enjoyed the stories shared in today's episode of BS, Beyond Stereotypes. Join us next time when another authentic personality unleashes their uniqueness on the world.